Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. This is the first episode of our Look for the Helpers series on the impact of coronavirus-related school closures on English learners. During this challenging time, we believe it is more important than ever to amplify educators' voices. For that reason, we are inviting anyone who works with English learners to share their stories on Highest Aspirations. Whether you have tips on keeping students and their family engaged, minimizing the social or academic impacts of social distancing, providing food and other necessities to vulnerable populations, or anything else for that matter, we want to hear from you. To participate, just go to bit.ly slash ELL helper. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. It only takes two minutes to fill out the form, and we'll get back to you to set up a time to talk. Just a quick announcement before we start. Like many of you, I am working from home while also trying to manage my own children's schedules. Please excuse any background noise that may come from four children, two dogs, and a very patient wife. We are all in this together. On our first episode of the Look for the Helper series, we talk with Lori Johnson and Andrea Barnett from Helen Tyson Middle School in Springdale, Arkansas. Springdale has a large ELL population and serves mostly Spanish and Marshallese-speaking ELL families. With Marshallese being a language that does not have much in the way of translation support, Springdale's English language development teachers, instructional facilitators, and specialists are going above and beyond to help students and families who may be severely affected by social distancing. Andrea Barnett and Lori Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of uh, Highest Aspirations. We're talking to people um, who are affected by the coronavirus, who are now, uh, like me, at home, probably have their own children, and most importantly for this um, podcast and this series that they have uh, all their their kids at school or at home, working from home, and we're trying to sort of share some stories. So let's start by just some introductions. So um, Andrea, why don't you start, tell us um, what you do for work, where you are working, um, and then we'll go over to Lori. Hi, I am Andrea Barnett. I teach English language development at Helen Tyson Middle School in Springdale, Arkansas. And um, I have been working with ESL students for 17 years. And Lori, how about you? I am Lori Johnson, and I also work at Helen Tyson Middle School with Andrea. And I'm a content teacher there. I teach sixth grade science. And we also work with a lot of um, ELL students. So great to have an EL person and a content person who are obviously uh, collaborating together even during this, uh, this difficult time. So I'm glad to have both of you on board. Um, and Lori, you submitted uh, our form where we were asking for people to share their stories. And one thing that you said um, right away, which I think is great, um, was that your school is just doing really wonderful things in the face um, of this challenge. Um, you said, in my humble opinion, our school is one of the best in the state at helping Yales achieve their goals. Wh- what would you say that, that, that um, you're doing now that really stands out in your mind as we deal with this challenge that, uh, that others can learn from? So I think that a really strong point of our school is that we operate as a family. And all of us teachers, we, we see that we have a common goal and that's to reach all of our students. And just because the majority of our students happen to be English language learners, we so happen to 
address the needs of English language learners. So all of our children being important um, and our English language learners needing the supports, uh, you know, we come together and we do what it takes. So the curriculum we provide during, during this time with our alternative means instruction packets, they're specifically designed with those scaffolds for those students. And we have daily meetings and we collaborate often and we just have a really positive atmosphere uh, among our staff and faculty. And when we meet every morning and during our uh, other meeting times throughout the day. That's great. And that's the content teacher perspective. Um, Andrew, what would you say from the Yale perspective there, somebody who's working with uh, content teachers to help those English learners? Well, as um, Lori mentioned, you know, each of the content um, pieces in our packets do have scaffolds for our English language learners, but we also have um, an English language development packet as well. So the students are still working on their language and um, using the information that they have learned within my classroom and within those content classrooms to be able to continue furthering um, their English language development. But something else that um, Lori didn't mention earlier was that, you know, something too that is a huge problem with our kids is that um, we're so worried about food for them and of course. making sure that they are getting what they need in order to be able to com you know, complete these packets. So I feel like that is something that our district is doing well because this they have sent teachers and principals out with buses and they are delivering food to children um, so that way they still can eat. And then they can also come to any of our schools and get food as well. So I feel like that also helps not just L's, but really any kids. Um, so, you know, we're not just worried about the content and, you know, they're learning things. We're also worried about them as human beings. And like mm -hmm. she said before, you know, we're a family and they're our family. They're our kids, no matter, you know, where they are in the building, they're still our kids. Absolutely. Yes. And that's been the overwhelming response from folks as we've sort of reached out to people and, and just sort of checked in on them is there everybody is really concerned first about their students well being. Um, because without that, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to be successful. And I think this whole thing is probably shining a really big spotlight on all of the services that schools provide and perhaps the silver lining. Um, is that people in the community are seeing everything that the schools provide. I mean, it's hard to Hard to miss a bus uh, going around the community and delivering food to people, I imagine. Right. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, numbers in today, and I think it's somewhere close, if I'm doing the math right, 600 meals were delivered today alone in our city. That's amazing. And to your knowledge, was there like sort of a, a, a plan in place um, in case something like this happened to be able to do that? Or was this just something that people sort of rallied around and, and dealt with acutely when it happened? I think it was on the fly. Andrea, do you know of anything? Um, I don't think that we really had anything in place. I think just like these AMI packets, you know, we were scrambling to get everything together, but I feel like our district did a fantastic job. Um, in Springdale, every single one of our students, whether 
they're a first grade student or a second grade student, um, they all have the same AMI packet. So all first graders have the same work they're working on. All second graders have the same work they're working on and so on. And I feel like that's good because our district is so large that um, in order to have different AMI packets for every single building, I think we have like 18 elementary schools just in Springdale. So, um, you know, it would be really hard to to be able to get all that information out. So one way that they figured would be easier would be to have the same packets for every grade level. And so Mm -hmm. then they, they were posted on our district website, as well as every teacher has loaded them into Google Classroom. And we all printed every single packet off for every kid. So that way they have a paper copy, then they, if they have access to internet. They can um, also do any of their packets online. And then I know that other teachers are also um, posting supplemental things. Like each day I will post a video of um, Tyler Tarver. It's a quote that he does every day. There's a new quote and then they have to respond with um, if they agree or disagree and what their thoughts are about his quote. So, you know, there's just different things that we're continuing to try to keep them engaged when they're at home, as well as, you know, working on those AMI packets and then, um, even having teachers, um, being available to be emailed. So mm-hmm. I've already had several parents email me today, just asking questions. Um, some teachers are doing zoom meetings with kids. So I just feel like, you know, we've come together as a huge family to try and make sure that everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and like you said, just make sure that they're you know, well, that their well-being is great as well. I think that one thing that I found specifically um, engaging about the AMI packet that was designed was that at the very top, uh, let me grab it, it says, um, to support your work, talk with an adult sibling or someone you know before writing. By talking, you can develop your ideas and discuss new words. The language supports are here to help you get you started. So it's actually encouraging uh, families to come Mm -hmm. together and it's encouraging those kids to do the listening and the speaking before they do the writing and the talking, you know, parts that really help their language. And I thought that was, that was just a, a little tiny thing that meant so much. And it's just, it's the little things that our school system does in Springdale that I find that it's just really amazing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like these AMI packets, you've said it so many times and understandably so. It just seems like it's such a huge, important part of what you're um, doing. And my understanding is these were in place beforehand, but then you kind of adapted them as necessary in terms of whether they were, uh, you know, copies, physical copies, or whether they were online to accommodate each family uh, or each student. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And we also had attendance sheets that were delivered to us electronically so that we could call, text, email, et cetera, students that were absent on the day that these were handed out so they could receive a physical copy or electronic copy. Yeah. So you're not relying 100% on technology and, you know, internet access or, de- or whether students have devices or not, which is which is crucial. I do want to talk a little bit about that, though, because you did mention that some teachers are using Zoom or Google Classroom or Hangouts or whatever to communicate with students. Um, a lot of people are thinking about that right now. We just did a podcast episode with a, a couple experts in online learning about how that could benefit English learners in times like these, specifically English learners. Have you seen any good examples so far? And we're pretty early into this whole thing. Um, or plans of examples uh, of how people are using those tools to help engage with their English learners? 
Hmm. That's a good question. Um, so early. It's early yeah, still. About. It is quite early. Um, you know, Google Classroom for me has been pretty good that, you know, like you were saying, though, the problem is that a lot of students don't have um, the technology to be able to get on to Google Classroom. But um, those that have been, you know, have been able to ask questions. Um, one of my fellow teacher friends, she doesn't work in this district, but she works in Fayetteville. Um, she was just doing reading groups earlier today. Um, I had talked to her and she was like, oh, I just got off of Zoom, a Zoom meeting with, you know, several of my third graders. And I was like, what were you doing with those guys? And she's like, oh, we were doing reading groups. I was like, that is so cool. So, you know, and then she also allowed them because they miss their friends. They got five extra minutes to be able to just talk to their oh, friends good. without her being able to listen in. But they were so cute because she said that they were like, well, can we talk to you too? So they <laughs> can miss her. That's great. Yeah, times like these, again, spotlight the, the important relationships that students have with their peers and also with their teachers as well. I mean, you know, the EL teachers and, and the content teachers that are working with these English learners are clearly some of the most important in their lives right now. They're really, they're like anchors. Um, and so it's good that you're keeping in touch. And speaking of that, one of the things that, that, uh, that you also wrote um, on the form that you sent in was that you're, I understand you're going to be calling uh, your kids' families over the next few days to check in with them and see what needs they have. What are you, what are you planning on focusing on um, in those calls and, and why do you think that that's important? Um, I think it's important just to touch base with them because sometimes families can feel very overwhelmed with this huge packet and maybe not understanding what to do with that packet, um, especially if their English is not uh, proficient because a lot of our families um, just at home aren't proficient in English. The adults aren't. So just by checking in and, and you know, just having that touch with them and say, hey, can I help you with anything? Can make them feel less overwhelmed and maybe more apt to helping their children with their education and understanding that, you know, as educators, we're not just about the academics. We're about the social and emotional needs of, of your kids as well. We're there for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So important to parse through, you know, those, those, again, those AMI packets seem amazing, but at times people certainly will need some support, particularly if there's language issues. I have two more questions for you, and I think they're both sort of trying to um, get to uh, sort of the silver lining, maybe, of this whole thing. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that I think, you know, this whole thing is going to shine a light on sort of the, the amazing things that schools and teachers do. And I think that's going to be really important for the public to see. Um, and while I think it's going to expose a lot of holes, it's also going to show a lot of amazing things. Um, so, in, in the spirit of that question, do, do, you, do you see any sort of opportunities that this, um, that this whole thing might provide you uh, as teachers either now or in the future when we get past all of this? I feel like it has given us a ton of different resources that um, maybe we didn't know about before because so many people are like, here, you know, use this for free for two months or whatever. And yeah. so I feel like, you know, that has helped because we can see different resources that maybe we wouldn't have tried because it did cost money, you know, and um, it'll actually give us time to work with our students and um, use it to see how well we like it, you know, so that's one thing. I think the resources coming forth from um, just, you know, community members and even people outside of our community that we didn't know about um, has been great. 
Yeah, I would, I would say that's exactly what I'm thinking too. Yeah, that has been nice to see sort of the outpouring of support in the form of, you know, let's, let's, let's not charge for this particular thing and let people use it. I know my kids have been at home and doing like museum tours and things like that virtually because, you know, you didn't know that that stuff even existed and oftentimes it wasn't free. Um, and so that, that's, a, that's a really great um, example and I'm seeing that as well. So last question for, for both of you. You, you seem to be, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to be in a pretty, pretty good place given the circumstances. I think uh, through a combination of um, preparation, where, where I don't think any of us could predict that we, we were you know, preparing for this, but it seems like you're, you're well prepared. Um, and, and maybe most importantly, the idea that you're a very tight-knit group and you treat everyone like family, which I think is crucial and, and I wish every school district could be like that. So my question is, what advice uh, would you give to, you know, another school who may not have those things going for them? Like, what, what do you think the first step is um, in terms of trying to make sure that students and their families feel supported socially and emotionally and just that they have what they need from schools um, during this time? I think maybe to address their social and emotional needs, um, call them just a simple phone call to say hello good day how are you guys that can that can go so far um as for teachers that are scrambling maybe they don't have an ami packet that their district graciously put together for them you know reach out there are so many social media platforms that are out there that I've seen people say, hey, I teach this. If you need something, let me know. All, all of us are out there in this great big boat trying to, trying to get through these waters. And so just if you need help, just reach out for it. Yeah, and I was thinking too, um, you know, this whole thing being the way that it is, I feel like this should be a no judgment zone. Like we shouldn't <laughs> be judging parents and we shouldn't be judging teachers. And, you know, I mean, we have... There's so much that some of our children are going through with, you know, maybe parents are still trying to work and their, um, maybe their seventh grader is having to take care of all of their little siblings, you know, during the day whenever parents aren't there. And um, so I feel like that, you know, we need to give them grace and we need to give each other grace because no one is 100% perfect. And like I tell my kids all the time, be the nice kid. It's the same for us adults. You know, we need to give grace to our coworkers. We need to give grace to other humans and we just need to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's definitely something that, that could go a long way. Just the little things every day. And I, and I, you know, I see that in America that, you know, everybody hates nine 11, but they love nine 12. You know, nobody mm -hmm. likes, nobody likes that we're having to do social distancing and not see our friends. And we're struggling with trying to work and have our kids at home. Just a, a little niceness goes a long way. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Well, on that note, um, I'd really like to thank um, both you, Lori, and you, um, Andrea, for taking the time to, to fill out our little form um, and let us know what you're doing in Springdale um, and, and more specifically at Helen Tyson Middle School. Um, you seem to have it pretty well together there, and uh, I think we could all learn a lot from what you're doing. So thanks for being the first um, to join us on this, uh, on this important journey. Thank you, Steve. We're glad, we're, we're glad to be here. 
Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.